Well, good evening, everyone. Please turn in your Bibles to Mark's Gospel, and we're on chapter 4 this evening. Mark chapter 4 is found on page 1,155 of the Pew Bible. Mark chapter 4, listen, for this is God's word. And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell in the stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they, may see, seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things, entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Amen. May God bless us the reading of his word. Well, in a few weeks, we are looking forward to visiting Ireland to see family and friends. And when we get on the flight, we will hear familiar words that are familiar to each one of us. So familiar that many of us don't listen. We'll be taking off momentarily, so please make sure your carry-on baggage is stowed securely in the overhead compartment 
or under the seat in front of you. Mobile phones and other electronic devices should be turned off. There are six exits on this plane, two at the front, two in the middle, and two at the rear of the cabin. Please take the time to find the exit nearest to you. If there is a loss of pressure, cabin pressure, the panels above your seat will open and oxygen mass will drop down. Whenever the seatbelt sign is on, please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened. Thank you for your attention. We hope you enjoy your flight. How many of us really listen? We ignore information that could potentially save our lives. We've heard it so many times and we simply assume we'll never need it. In a similar way, how do you respond to the gospel message? Is it like the safety instructions on board the airplane that you simply choose to ignore? In the same way, the words of Jesus, they contain life. He is able to transform your life. But for that to happen, you have to listen to Jesus. So I want you to notice the good news of Jesus Christ will change your life, produce a harvest of righteousness by you hearing and knowing him as your Savior. Well, firstly, notice the mystery of the kingdom of God is the revealing of Christ. So we're looking at the parable of the sower. In Mark 4, we read of a multitude around Jesus. This multitude has a tendency to start pushing and pressing against Jesus. And to prevent a crush, Jesus is teaching from a boat in the Sea of Galilee. And from this boat, he has a great vantage point to preach to the crowds on the shore without any commotion. And Jesus taught the crowds by using parables. These were his teaching aids, his illustrations, stories that would be easy to remember. He takes scenes from everyday life in Palestine, practices that his audience were familiar with. Often parables are defined as spiritual stories, or sorry, earthly stories rather, with a heavenly meaning. And so from these everyday scenes, he gives a spiritual application about belonging to the kingdom. As a result, these parables are speaking directly to the listener. You can't sit back and relax. No, you are involved in these stories. The other week, as a family, we went to see the LCA play, The Secret Garden. And what is great about going to see a play is that the actors, they do all the work. And you, the audience, you get to sit back in the safety of the auditorium. Whatever happens on stage, that's up to the actors to keep the show going. The audience does nothing. However, in these parables, you all have a walk-on part to play. You can't sit back safely in your chair. You have a part in the parable, whether you like it or not. Sinclair Ferguson says, Parables reflect the principles of the kingdom of God and consequently serve as mirrors of our own lives. They force us to ask the question, where do I stand in relation to the kingdom of God? They show us our own hearts in the light of God's word. And the parable of the sower is one such parable. Something his audience would have been familiar with. They frequently would have seen a farmer sowing his seed in his field. He scatters the seed by his hand and it lands in various places. 
And this particular parable has been described as the most important parable. That's evident and that it's found in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But not only that, it's also explained in these three Gospels. No other parable gets that attention. The parable of the sower is key to understanding all of Jesus' parables. That's why Jesus says in verse 13, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And it's most important because in Jesus' explanation, he tells his disciples that in understanding this parable, they now know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And knowing the mystery, they're not outside the kingdom, they're inside. Well, what does this mean? McCoy says our understanding of Jesus' kingdom comes from God revealing it to us. If he does not reveal it to us, we will have no understanding no matter how clever we are. And God will only reveal the kingdom to those who walk with Jesus. Verse 11, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. That's to his disciples. Ultimately, it is his disciples who see Jesus as their promised Messiah, who is God. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. His kingdom is not operating like a political kingdom, like the United States or like the United Kingdom, where there are ruling governments elected by the people, where there are armies and police to enforce rule of law. No, God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. In this spiritual kingdom, it doesn't grow by conquering new territory, by military advances, or by a political alliance, or by economic treaties. No, his kingdom grows by the spreading of God's word, which is described as seed in this passage. Well, how do you know if someone is part of this kingdom? Well, there is a test that you can do to find out. I remember at primary school having to do a hearing test to check if I had hearing loss. And there was a machine that generated sound at different volumes and frequencies. And the sounds were played through headphones that were on my head, and I had to respond when I heard a sound by pressing a button. Well, there is a spiritual hearing test to test your citizenship in the kingdom of God. And it's how you listen to the word of God. God's word is likened to tiny, vulnerable seeds that are able to produce this bountiful harvest. And so that's why this is such an important parable. How you respond to this parable is how you will respond to all the parables and to every word that comes from God. And ultimately, it speaks of how you will respond to the word. John 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the word. How do you hear him? No wonder Jesus says, he whose ears to hear, let him hear. He is commanding you and me to hear him. Well, in this parable, we have the results to the hearing tests. People fall into four categories. Some commentators have said this parable would be better known as the parable of the soils, of the four soils. And that's because the focus is on the soil where the seed falls into. Each of these four soils represent 
how man hears God's word. And so the question you must ask yourself is which soil type am I? How do I respond to God's word? For your response to hearing God's word reveals whether you know Christ as your Savior. So secondly, let's see, are you completely hardened so you do not even hear the word of God? Are you completely hardened so you do not even hear the word of God? Verse 4 and verse 15. So the first soil is that of the path where God's word is not even heard. When we think of fields in the Midwest, we automatically think of large prairies or we think of fields that are surrounded by barbed wire fence. Well, in ancient Israel, fields were long and narrow and often along one side there would be a path. And over time, these paths would be as hard as concrete due to the continual traffic of footsteps, hooves, and of wheels. And so they are impossible for seed to infiltrate. Instead, the seeds, they remain on the surface, and they become food for birds. The birds are a picture of Satan, who always wants to stop the gospel from being heard, and immediately, if possible. And this happens every time God's word is preached. There are those who are not interested. Their thoughts are elsewhere. They're simply not listening. And so they are robbed of the word of God. Now, recently, our governor signed a bill that only licensed salvage recyclers can buy or sell catalytic converters. It became necessary to establish this rule due to the increase in theft of catalytic converters being stolen across the country. And these robberies were happening outside people's homes, and the owners were completely unaware of it, and yet it would result in a very expensive repair job. Well, Satan operates in the same way. He is a thief. He is snatching away the word of God before it even registers with us. He makes us doubt and ask the question, did God really say that? Well, where is Satan doing this thieving? It's not at your work. It's not at a concert. No, it's right here at church. This is where he's most active. He is stealing the word. You may be a hardened skeptic who immediately rejects anything that challenges your ideas. Or maybe you simply don't care. You think you've heard it all before and you don't see how this is relevant to you. And so you choose not to listen. Or you may be someone who is easily distracted. Your mind is full of other things. And so as soon as you close the Bible, you immediately forget all that you had heard. You don't want to do the hard work of listening to a sermon, trying to understand what the pastor is saying. Satan is at work in each of those cases. And so do you realize that? Do you see the spiritual warfare that's going on? Well, you don't have to be a victim in this warfare. God is warning you in this parable. The gospel does not always remain available to you. If you don't receive it, it will be snatched away. So don't be like the path. Don't let the word of God be stolen from you by the devil. No, instead, listen to the word of God. Well, thirdly, do not be put off from hearing the word of God 
by a fear of man. So the second type of soil is this rocky soil where you listen to God's word with initial enthusiasm, but then the cost involved, it puts you off. So in Israel, some of the land has a two to three inch layer of soil that's lying on top of a limestone bedrock. And so the sun quickly heats up this soil, and if the seed falls here, it immediately responds. It can even look like the best soil for there are are immediate results. But because the soil is so shallow, the roots have nowhere to go to gain the nutrients and the water that it needs to survive. And so the result is that it quickly dies. We too often begin a project with lots of enthusiasm. Maybe it's a new exercise regime. Maybe it's a renovation in your home. Maybe it's a new hobby. And after a while, we struggle. We lose interest in it. And the project, it completely dies. Likewise, sadly, many do the same with the gospel. There are those who start with real eagerness. And is that you? You're excited to get to know Christ. But then your excitement fades. Something gets in the way. Maybe it's your friends or your family, your work colleagues. No longer do they respect you or take you seriously because you're now into the gospel. And so they keep you at an arm's length. They ignore you thinking you've gone crazy. You've gone religious on them. Well, God's word is not popular in today's culture. It's not popular in the academic world, nor will it take you far politically. In 2017, in the UK election, Tim Farron was the leader of the Liberal Democrats. He was one of the few Christians on the left side of politics. And in the run-up to the election, he got repeatedly asked about his view of LGBT and if he thought homosexuality was a sinful behavior. And sadly, he gave in to the pressure and said it was not sinful. Well, later, when he was no longer the leader of the party, he said he felt under pressure from his party, which led him to foolishly and wrongly make a statement that was not right. This is a pressure that our politicians are under. God's word is not accepted, not even tolerated in the world of politics. And we are all under a similar pressure. Even going to church to hear God's word preached is no longer respected. It's not recognized as a legitimate priority in someone's life. Instead, we're told, sure, just go next week or just catch up with it on YouTube. The result, sadly, is that those who are the rocky soil, they decide it's easier to give up on Jesus rather than give up on their friends or their family or their work colleagues. They don't want the discomfort or the embarrassment of believing the gospel and knowing Jesus. They hadn't thought through what it would cost to follow Christ. There is a cost of being for what he is for and being against what he is against. And they simply can't handle it. Their desire to know him is short-lived. And when their faith is tested, they don't persevere. And so their interest in Christ withers away. So don't be like this rocky soil. Well, fourthly, do not let the world deafen you so you do not hear the word of God. Verses 7 and verses 18 to 19. 
So the third type of soil is the thorny soil where the desire for other things is stronger than the desire to listen to God's word. This soil is full of other plants, weeds which choke the seed where it's sown. These newly sown seeds, they can't compete with the thorns that are growing up beside them. And the result is they are choked to death. Likewise, other things choke our desire to know Jesus. What are the deadly killers that we need to worry about? Is it gross immorality? Is it wicked rulers who persecute? No, we read that the killers are very ordinary. It's our worries. It's our wealth. It's our wants which challenge us in hearing the word of God. And this is probably most challenging for people living in 21st century Bloomington. Many people are slowly choked to death by their worry for money, material possessions. Love of money has led to many squeezing out, listening to God's word. But it's not only money. Many other things can compete with listening to God's word. So the result is that our hearts are divided. And we no longer desire Christ as we should. Maybe for you it might be comfort. You want whatever is easiest. that causes least upset or least difficulty. If serving God is uncomfortable, you won't do it. You will never leave your comfort zone. Or maybe you seek control and you find too much uncertainty in following Christ. You don't want to do things in faith. You don't want to trust him. Rather, you want to be the one in control. Maybe it's basketball or some other sport or some other hobby like Lego or Star Wars. And you find yourself more interested in that. That's all you think about. And your interest in God's word gets squeezed out. Maybe it's your work or your studies or your career. You put so much time into that that you have no time left to listen to God's word. That's a dangerous position to be in. As you know, we like to listen to audiobooks on the way to school, and we've just finished C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle. And one very sad incident in this book is what happened to Susan Pevensitz. She's one of the four children um, that, was, that was mentioned in the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And Peter, her brother, says, My sister Susan is no longer a friend of Narnia. Yes, said Eustace, and whenever you've tried to get her to come and talk about Narnia or to do anything about Narnia, she says, what wonderful memories you have. Fancy you're still thinking about all those funny games we used to play when we were children. Oh, Susan, said Jill, she's interested in nothing nowadays except nylons and lipsticks and invitations. She always was a jolly sight too keen on being grown up. Growing up indeed, said the Lady Polly. I wish she would grow up. She wasted all her school time wanting to be the age she is now. And she'll waste all the rest of her life trying to stay that age. Susan bought into worldliness. And so at the end of the book, while all of her family are in what's basically heaven, Susan is not there. Quite possibly she'll find out the truth later on. But she is outside the kingdom because her desires are for the things of this world. Do not let this world 
choke out your desire for God. Now, a lot of these things are important. We need money. We need a job. It's healthy to have hobbies. But God's word is always to be priority. Listening to him comes first. So don't be like the thorny soil. Well, finally, listen to God's word. And so know the word is Christ Jesus, who produces in you a great harvest. Verse 8 and verse 20. So the final soil is this good soil. We're listening to God's word produces a harvest. And this is a soil that when the seed is sown here, produces a vast crop, a crop so big that it's out of the ordinary. Jesus describes it as 30, 60, even a hundredfold. Modern farming methods could not produce that type of harvest. Something supernatural is happening. It can't be accounted for in human terms. No, this happens when you hear the gospel and you see Christ for who he is. You understand why he came into this world and what it means to follow him. When you see Jesus as your greatest treasure in this world, nothing else matters to you. So even when life is busy, even when you go through tough times, even when you're persecuted, you don't lose sight of God. If you're good soil, if you really are a Christian, then years to come you can look back and you can see how Christ has been working in your life. You'll be able to see how you've grown to be more like him. You'll be able to see how the seed of the gospel has produced this bumper crop in your life. So this fourth soil is the soil you want to be. Many people feel that they are trapped, that they cannot escape the life that they are in. They want to be this fourth type of soil, but they see it as impossible. But our confidence should be in God, in his word. He is powerful. He is the one who transforms us. And no one is beyond his transformation. Jesus said, John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. That is the confidence that you can have in the most trying of circumstances. You are in Christ, and he will produce his fruit in you. And he does this through you hearing his word. Imagine your local bank offers you a savings account with an interest rate of 30% or 60% or 100%. It's not difficult to know what you should do with your money. You should invest it in one of those accounts. It will deliver incredible results. Likewise with hearing God's word. I wonder if you've seen a tree growing out of somewhere where you would think that's impossible. Maybe it's growing on a cliff. Maybe it's growing on the wall of a building or through a gravestone. A tiny acorn, it falls into a crack. And it's so strong that it breaks the marble gravestone and it grows into this huge oak tree. That's the power inside a tiny seed. That's the power of the word of God in your life. And those seeds produce more seeds. God uses you to bring his word into the lives of others to have a similar effect. The good news of Christ has the power to transform your life. And so you must listen to him. Jesus is not 
a storyteller. Sadly, those who are outside of the kingdom, all they hear is parables. As Jesus says in verse 11, and as a result, they don't actually see, for they're not perceiving. They're not actually hearing, for they don't understand. Otherwise, they would turn and know forgiveness for their sins. Rather, you are to listen to Jesus. You are to believe him. And as a result, you will trust him more and more. McCoy says those who follow Jesus in obedience will be given deeper and deeper insight into the kingdom. So Jesus tells us this parable to see how you're listening to him. You may be tempted to respond like the seed fallen on the path or on the rocky soil or in the midst of the thorns. No, instead, you must listen and act on what you hear. You must put your trust in Christ Jesus. Jesus is saying to you that he can change your lives. But are you listening? Thankfully, Christ opens our deaf ears. He gives sight to our blind eyes. He softens our hard hearts. Faith comes by hearing the words of Christ. So the good news of Jesus Christ is that he will change your life. He will produce a harvest of righteousness by you hearing and knowing Jesus. So the next time you're on a flight and you see the flight attendants going through the safety instructions, just consider, are you listening? But more importantly, are you listening to the word of Christ who can transform your life? He who has an ear, let him hear. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have opened our ears for us to hear, for us to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Forgive us, Lord, when we act like the path and Satan comes and steals the Word away. Or we've acted like the rocky soil and fear of man causes us to reject you. Or we've acted like this thorny soil and desires for this world chokes our desire for you. Instead, Lord, as good soil, that we would produce fruit, that we would produce a harvest so that many more would know you as Lord and Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's close by.